0: Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. Uh, today I'm talking to Stephen Fullwood again. Stephen, how are you doing?
1: Pretty good. Pretty good. How are you doing today, Travis?
0: Yeah, pretty good. We, uh, Steve and I are trying a new thing where we warm up the conversation a little bit before we start recording to relax, because Stephen and I actually, we, we haven't known each other very long at all, so uh, I got to know him through Seth, um, and so... Uh, one dinner, kind of just feeling each other. That's right. That's right. That's right. Over (laughs) a great dinner, a great dinner, actually. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, so we thought today that we would continue our conversation from last time, not last week. So this would be two weeks ago. Um, but we, uh, we were talking about Stephen suggested topic on kind of just insanity, madness in America, uh, and what that means. Why are we and why are we, um, so crazy as a country? Uh, and so I, you know, we were talking about what to do in the conversation this time. And I, I had suggested to Stephen, I'd really like to just kind of keep talking about the same thing because there's a lot of stuff we didn't cover. Um, so Stephen, you want to kind of lead us into, to, uh, what you'd like to talk about? Yeah, absolutely.
1: And so before, I think you mentioned before we started recording that maybe a definition, um, might help us, might help us here. And so i pulled up madness (laughs) and it sort of leads you back to mental illness uh, madness, the state of being mentally ill, especially severely. Synonyms insanity, mental illness, dementia, derangement, and more. Extremely foolish behavior, a state of frenzied or chaotic activity. So, what's going on in the White House right now is clearly madness. So, we can, there's your <laughs> go for that. I know. And then, I mental know. illness is another thing, which I think, like, I still have questions about it. Uh, mental illness refers to a wide range of mental health conditions, disorders that affect your mood, thinking, and behavior. Examples of mental illness include depression, anxiety disorders—excuse me, anxiety disorders, schizophrenia, eating disorders, and addictive behaviors. Many people have mental health concerns from time to time, so it can either be an ongoing thing or a short, short um, habit interval, you know, life or what have you. According to yeah the acute or
0: chronic right so the two yeah the two exactly differences
1: and, and so it it ties me up it ties me up this definition of um, madness and mm-hmm. <clears throat> about what
0: kind of how does it tie how does it tie you up
1: well i think that and we mentioned i mentioned this before and i don't have it verbatim but we were talking about adding um sort of adjusting yourself to a mentally ill society is that <laughs> mm-hmm. is that too a mm-hmm. form of mental illness or is mm-hmm sort of like i think depression is a natural response to craziness um Mm -hmm. whether it's a mental physical some sort of reaction to something that's really messed up for example the florida shootings um chaos in the white house um just feeling sort of a field and not feeling very good about the state of things Mm -hmm. and so
0: powerlessness is another one I would throw in there too when it comes to depression, like just really kind of a loss of a sense of agency um, and kind of an ability to affect the world. That's a good thing. And so
1: what I'm curious about though, is how to, how to be healthy in an unhealthy society. And I wanted your take on that. Yeah. yeah. And I have (laughs) some
0: ideas. I don't don't fucking know. I mean, I uh, really don't know. I have some ideas. (laughs) Yeah. So here's so I I guess one thing um, I would want to push back against is a healthy or an unhealthy society. I, you know, so I cut my teeth on like deep trenchant criticisms of American culture and United States history with good reason. There's a lot of shit to be embarrassed about in our history um, In our present, in fact, Um, you know, but then you, you know, you grow up a little bit. Or one grows up a little bit. You read more. You read about other cultures and whatnot. And you know, I I have yet to land on an anthropological account or a historical account or a sociological account uh, of a society. Now I'm talking. Large, let's when I I'm being pretty specific when I say society. So I'm I'm talking about you know kind of above like the the band level. You know, so like very small groups. So okay. you know, I you know, we're talking tribes, chiefdoms, um, you know, states, nations, uh, religions, etc. They're all—they all involve um, just— there's no way to organize that many people uh, and not just have awful, rampant, terrible injustice. Yeah. and yeah. And so— so that's all I would want to say. So I'm I am completely I am completely on board with the the discussion about you know how do we figure out how to stay healthy as sensitive human mm-hmm. beings, sensitive uh, caring
1: compassionate human beings. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. In a coarse society, right? So I mean, America is a pretty coarse society um and but here's the I, I don't think everyone feels it like i think there are plenty i not i think i have known in my life plenty of people that are just fine with the a state of things like you know they they do their 40 hour a week job mm-hmm. and you know they enjoy football or basketball or they enjoy like the cooking channel or you know the iron chef i know when that used to be popular and you know <laughs> that's that's just their life so the staying healthy I think is a particular question for a particular set of people like you and me and probably some other people that we know. And so how do people like us stay healthy? Okay.
1: Yeah. That that produces the, the amount of people significantly. I think, um, so one of the, one of the, um, authors I grew up reading was James Baldwin. We've talked about him a couple times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. one of the quotes that really struck me while I was in college was he said, to be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage almost all the time. And I found that I remember, you know, holding on to that because I had a lot of rage, but it wasn't simply just racial. It was it was being male and not being able to develop in certain environments. Like you just you had a script, you walked in, they gave you your script, and this is what you do in class, this is what you do on the playground, and this is what you do in your neighborhood. But I remember feeling a sense of injustice as a child that I recognize in even in my own kid who's 33. When he was younger, he really hated injustice, you know, (laughs) even though he was a kid and you know, he got into trouble and whatnot. But he was that 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 sense of injustice really bothered me because I felt like I was constantly being told to rein back on either my personality or my curiosity, or my imagination, and so But well, it's
0: not just. Can I jump? It's sure, it's, absolutely. It's that you're told you're, you're told two things, right? So mm-hmm. as a as a particularly uh, minorities in the United States, although I certainly dominant cultures, it's Southern funny because you say
1: minorities, do. and I always cringe at that word because I
0: because oh, I know okay. you're looking okay. at
1: it what?
0: as a um numbers, right? You're just looking at numbers. Yeah, that that is literally what I mean it as because yes. pretty soon they pretty soon white people will be the minority in this country and like in California I think we are so yeah. I do mean it st- straight yeah, up statistically but I'm happy to change my language for that. <laughs> it's 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 just that
1: I jump I um I, I I sort of flinch when I hear that word because I think about how um, minorities feels like it's almost a pos- it's a it's a mm. word that sort of positions someone to think that they're not just. Okay. They're, they don't have the numbers, but also in the 80s, I heard it so much. In the 90s, I heard it so much. And I was like going, well, what is it? I mean, I understand the numbers, but I don't like it as a term. I don't think it really works. Um,
0: okay, I can hear that. So what do you think is a better term? That's a very in good question. I know you're going to say that. I have no other word at the moment. I don't. I don't. But I know <laughs> okay. that minorities
1: doesn't work for me. Um, but okay, I'll have well, one for gonna, you. You're
0: going to text me. You're going to text me a better term and then I will I will incorporate it. it into my language because I'm very happy to do that. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so what I was what I was about to say before you continue your point is that mm-hmm. so you're actually given multiple scripts. Right. This is what's so confounding and infuriating about the, the, the bind that you're in. Right. So as a black American You are given a particular kind of script around masculinity, around avariciousness, around uh, sexual acquisitiveness, right? You're given like a particular kind of physicality. There are all these ways that you're told to be. Yeah, and there's another uh, script too
1: that everything revolves around white culture, and it doesn't. That's another script. Yes, that's another script, and it's a very um, it's annoying. It's it's untrue, (laughs) and it's but it's it's the thing that you're. I'm constantly supposed to be in dialogue with. The white man, you know, in quotes about what he or she is up to, you know, you know, in terms of the culture. But it's a, it's a lie. And so I I consider most of these scripts lies. So There's just ways okay, to kind of so, match. Yeah, so-
0: I I absolutely agree with that. They're both untrue. And you're also given the contrary script that you are supposed to, you know, sort of pull yourself up by your bootstraps and be who you are and be an individual. And so those two things, if you're enculturated with those completely conflicting scripts... Like of course, rage is absolutely. It, it remind you were talking about Baldwin. It reminds me of the um, the the father in *Go Tell It on the Mountain* when he uh, or the first was it the first one she, the bag the bag boy and like he would there's that line about how he would tell the customers thank you with such force they had to look back as if they were struck. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, they were just. It's been a while since I they read were just that k- I don't remember just just the, line, that line. That to think that about. kind of like pent up just fury mm-hmm. at at what is so patently unjust so l- let me let me ask you a direct question mm-hmm. so do you do you think that there is still do you think that the operant script in culture not in politics not in business because i do think that there are slightly there there should be some at least some fuzzy boundaries drawn around those distinctions. Do you think that in culture, the requirement is still that non-white Americans should be in dialogue with white Americans around white culture? Absolutely. Without a doubt. Okay, give me me examples.
1: I think that that, okay, so there's it happened in California recently, I guess, at the um, Contemporary Museum of Art, where they fired a woman who was trying to do more work by quote unquote diversifying who they were showing and that sort of thing, and she was fired. It seemed like a black mark on that institution. These conversations wouldn't have to happen if these di- if these particular scripts were still in weren't still in operation. We're still talking diversity. We're still talking about talking to people, non um, non white people about diversifying places, which seems kind of ridiculous. It seems like a conversation that. Um, if your, if whites really wanted to have diversity, there would be more work to do that. And it wouldn't be, let's talk to you about what do you need for us to make it diverse. It's sort of like, well, what is in your, what possibly could you not know about oppression or um, racial, um, what do you call it? Racial profiling or police shootings. What could you possibly not know about that? And I think about what Toni Morrison said to Charlie Rose in one of his programs. She was speaking about, when sometimes some of the criticism that she receives on her books is that she um, would stop wasting her time writing about black people and get to the real issue, which is the confrontation between black and white people. And she goes, as if our lives had no meaning at all. And then she goes, and if you have to feel good about having your foot on someone's neck, you have a serious problem. And to her, she felt, she said, white people have a serious problem and they need to think about what they are going to do about it. Leave me out of it. And Charlie Rose, you know, it was like, well, can you give us some free advice, you know, in Charlie Rose's way. And she goes, it's all in my books. <laughs> and I love that response. It's all in my books. Listen, I just told you to leave me out of it.
0: I mean, and if you want something, there are the books. And I think— so you, you don't see a contradictory message. You don't see that that is—that that itself is a kind of of madness, so you don't see that that you don't see the contradiction in on one hand saying leave non-white Americans out of the work that white Americans need to do and at the same time incorporate non-white Americans into dominant culture.
1: Give that to me one more time because I think I know where you're going okay. and I just I want d- to make sure I, I don't know
0: that. if I I don't know if I can. I don't I'll do I my don't best. Know so if I'm we're uh,
1: saying to be out of the the equation what we're trying to do is after four hundred years, like how much, how much more do you need to know? I don't understand diversity programs. I try to stay out of them unless I know that I'm being paid for it, and I'll
0: go. Okay, so <laughs> let's let's narrow this down a little bit. What do you mean by uh, diversity programs?
1: Diversity programs for me when people are trying to um, have a conversation, a hard conversation about race, about mm-hmm. gender, about sexuality, sexual orientation, and the people who are doing the most talking, who have the most investment in it, are the people who are mostly affected by it. Those blacks, those uh, queer folks, those women, those disabled folks, or differently able people, they're the ones trying to drive the conversation. And I'm not sure, I, when it comes to racial um, relations or development, I, don't, I stand to the side and I watch it and I'm not sure how effective it is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not sure how effective it is. You mean
0: Go ahead. You mean it uh, effective at effective at really getting um, at I'm not trying to be pedantic. And really effective at getting okay, at the issues. Right. And mind
1: you, I don't want to misspeak. There're wonderful conversations in the room, but talking is mm-hmm. not enough. You know, talking's not enough. Yeah. Right, you know, as well as I do, affirmative action was about women. It was about all kinds of people who were traditionally shut out of the workplace, but it got reduced to mm-hmm. race in the 90s. Uh, and that yeah, became yeah, it did. the bone of contention for a lot of people it was like, well, I don't want somebody who's just black or to be, you know, to get a job that I rightly deserve. And I'm like, these aren't really even the this is not the issue. These aren't the issues. So I, I'm curious about what people are bringing to the table right now in terms of equality in the U.S. And even if that's an issue anymore. And I feel like diversity issues and diversity programs, I'm not sure if they're just if they're let a lot of few people through the door <laughs> to make it look mm-hmm. like we're doing something. And then later on ignore mm-hmm. these people, I'm not sure what it, it is anymore. Mm-hmm. So I know that I've mm-hmm. kind of jumped around a bit, but I um No I'm, I'm suspect no, about I, I, diversity. I mean, and I'm suspect about what people uh, claim to
0: really want. So when you say suspect about diversity, do you mean suspect about attempts to diversify, fill-in-the-blank universities, workplaces, workplaces et of all
1: kinds? Yeah,
0: absolutely. I do so so suspect of the intent or suspect of, uh, the practical application. The so practical do you think it is, it... yeah. okay. Oh, go All ahead. Right. No. Okay. All right. Do I think the practical no, no, no. application I, so, I was it. So are we, so are we like literally talking about quotas and stuff? Like you think that it's like to be talking to, to say something like, well, we need to have some significant percentage of our workforce needs to be represented by non-white hetero males or something like that. You think that that's problematic?
1: i think it's problematic in its application in the way in which we've okay. got, typically gone about doing it i have no problem with the actual actuality of it because we're because it's interesting to think about there um so a friend of mine sent me an article today i've yet to read it
0: about um
1: black men have about this black men of who grew up poor or grew up middle class have the oh, same oh
0: shit and Right. Yeah. Go ahead. I was reading this. No. No. Please. And so, no, and no, I did read listeners. it. You, please, you have the ahead. advantage. You have read
1: it. And so they no, sent no, it to no, me. Go, and no. my flip remark was, "I'm not surprised." <laughs> and yeah. I, and so I, I think about. I see. I think what I'm getting at is that there's a. I have a weariness, and I'm I'm sort of exhausted at the age of 52. Of this notion of diversity, I'm not sure. I know that people need to talk to each other and work things out, and we're constantly. um bombarded with information that we read and absorb and digest and talk about in the streets and, and we have our lived lives mm. and we have our digital lives. I um I don't want to I don't want to sum it up. I just feel like I need to leave it open. It's just that I'm just expressing weariness about it and about its practical application. That call it something yeah. else it's not really at, you know.
0: So so yeah, I mean, I, I, I end up in a bind around the idea because I know in our initial, our very first conversation you and I had, in which I, I thought I detected uh, some skepticism, mostly I think because you said I'm very skeptical of that idea, but um, <laughs> it, it, uh, around, uh, you know, like what even whiteness is, right? So yeah. you know, I kind of refer to it as like a glamour, as like a way of like <laughs> sort glamour, of denying our bodies, yeah, um, like a way of denying our bodies and kind of the messy aspects of. Just being a human being, mm-hmm. and so that is basically what I think about it. I mean, I think racial you know pseudoscience is precisely pseudoscience, like I just i I think it's all bullshit. Um, even, you know, even when, uh, people get into, well, there's statistically significant, uh, um, you know, diseases hit certain communities and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. to me, I just think that that is, that's most likely explainable by just kind of social networking, right? So you tend to, um, you know, social groups tend to, to marry, they don't tend to intermarry between social groups. And so genetic differences would begin to express themselves more prominently in this kind of in these smaller communities. So it, t- To me, that doesn't, there's no biological basis for any of it. I think that's all kind of bullshit. But here's here's the bind for me and where I think if to kind of like try and at least keep a toe on the the topic of insanity. So I can say that. I can believe that. You and I can have a productive conversation about that. Maybe I can convince you of that if you're not already. But then you walk out on the street, right, and you get profiled. Or you walk out on the street and you get followed in a grocery store. Now, I'm not saying that this is your experience. I'm saying that this is absolutely the experience of... Black, brown, ye- maybe not yellow, but b- various hued Americans, and so, from an intellectual point of view, a completely defensible position I could take and would argue for forcefully that race is a dead end bullshit category. But yet, the society that we live in, the social universe that we inhabit, which which uh, sort of hems in all of us says otherwise. And so how do you how do you confront that honestly? You know, how how could I like so you know you're talking about like, you know, about you know sort of conversations. Like let's say, you know, to put me in a room, put me in a room full of um you know, inner city kids that have been harassed by the car, co- or not not kids, uh, like inner city adults, working adults, right? In in uh, in non white neighborhoods, I'm t- being very careful not to use the word minority in non white neighborhoods, um, that have that have been uh, harassed by the police for not just for their lives, but for generations, right? And so here I come, or here someone like me comes, and I don't mean white, I mean an intellectual, and says, hey race isn't real right it's not there is no black there's no white like who isn't going to call bullshit on that like who isn't going to say like oh race isn't real then how come like eight generations of you know right. fill in the blank have been end up in prison for right. bullshit you know so i'm sorry go ahead what we're going to say
1: no actually i i'm so i had i've been playing with this thought of yours for a while i think ever since we had dinner <laughs> months mm-hmm. ago about race right. being bullshit. I knew I know that. And I know it intellectually. I know it in, I know it um intellectually. But what I don't but what I what I'm finding so just I wanted to I want to make sure I understand your scenario. So you go up to them and you say there's no race and they say bullshit because there's lived experience. Mm-hmm. This compounded That's experience. Exactly right, this yeah. intergenerational experiences. The experiences That's that people right, yeah. have daily like you said sort of being profiled or just being sort of tired of the surveillance, exhausted by those surveillance. Mm-hmm. Um and then here comes Travis as intellectual because he can choose to be intellectual, but someone looks at you and sees white and they go, What are you doing? And how are you contributing to or define um this this thing that's that wants to choke everyone and doesn't just want to choke black people wants to choke everybody. Because it keeps mm-hmm. you in these these um I was going to say artificial dialogues but they're not artificial. They're really grounded in people's experience and lived experiences and so forth. I um I find that there are levels to racial reasoning. And what I mean by racial reasoning is the intellectual history of race, but also race as a dogma, race as um I lived experience. I'm not finding the actual words that I want to use, mm. but I can see it in front of me. I'm following you. I'm following. And you. I'm feeling. I feel. I feel failed by the American project. I used to walk around calling it the American, the white male American project. That I feel it's a failure. But I also know that it's not solely that. That there is. There's capitalism. There's religion. There are all these sort of things that come that are that people experience and live through and love and will die for, because of these artificial constructs around race or even around gender, around sexuality, and they don't allow people to imagine anything different. We started talking about UFOs and mental illness <laughs> um, earlier, but <laughs> this idea of being able to conceive of something different, I feel very. Um, challenged by my own life but listening to other people talk about these things when someone's being shot down in the street you can't be you're in, you know you're in a state of mourning and you're almost in an extended state of mourning in a way because of all the lost potential that the US could have not just black folks or, or and white people but just everybody it feels like we could do so much better and that we're still dealing with the same issues over and over again so we can't even conceive of other worlds or extraterrestrials and stuff like that and so i think that's a form of mental illness how about that i I got my toe Mm -hmm. back in the um (laughs) (laughs) the (laughs) toe back (laughs) and it is a form of mental illness because you can't think you know and therefore if you can't think you really can't love you actually i don't know about that part not to think about i think you can love. i don't know about that part. i'll just say i think it's hard to imagine other things when you feel like you're under siege or you feel like you're trapped in something that you just happen to be
0: born into you know. Yeah, this is just a
1: lot of wasted potential. Yeah, I'm, a lot of wasted potential.
0: Yeah, I mean obviously I I am with you on I, sort of the the bind that that these uh did you say racial logics or uh that basically uh you used a particular term for uh, racial for, reasoning? Thank you, racial reasoning, right. Uh, it was alliterative or almost alliterative so, <laughs> that, um, that, that that you know that there is this this way of sort of finding one self or moving through the world, you know based on 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 racialized stories about who we are as people, and not just who we are as people, but even more damning, right? so the, what's the most damning about the history of of race in America is is not is not just its, I mean, so its history is awful, but it was the damage, the psychic damage that it did to the black community in the United States. It didn't just, it didn't just destroy their past. It erased the possibility of their future. I mean, you, it didn't actually, right? As as we can see now, right? No no but the, but this is part of that story right so um the uh, uh Robert Penn Warren has a famous poem in which he says that the negro ain't metaphysical right he has this like really sort of potent line about that that somehow you know that 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 metaphysical musings and seeing the inner workings, kind of the guts of the universe and all of its abstract glory, even though that's a super awful mixed metaphor, I apologize, um, that that somehow that that was the province of, quote unquote, white people. And so this was he was articulating a kind of story, right? He was the, the the articulation was not just that Africa was the home of savages right this is not my idea but this is this is their idea it's that that was in fact their nature and this so not only not only did did you have to deal with as a as a black person in america so i i probably shouldn't say black americans before you know pre-civil rights but because they weren't really fully acknowledged as americans but a black person in america Not only did you have to – you had to see yourself through the eyes of a people that refused to see you. Like that's what – that was the psychic damage that was done to – um, to uh, Black Americans in the country, and and something that still resonates today, right? You had brought up that article, right? One of the one of the things that they did, that they found out in this study of millions of Americans is that if you were born wealthy and Black in the United States, you were far more likely to end up Black and poor. Than if you were born white and wealthy in the United States, it was much more likely that you would keep your wealth, or that you would end up kind of in the, you know, sort of upper part of the pack, upper middle class. Um, that that's not just that's not just current structural racism. That is a psychic wound that shapes how we per, how Americans perceive themselves
1: absolutely and i want to talk about that psychic wound because there was something that i find because it kind of goes back to what i think tony morrison said about as if our lives had no meaning mm-hmm. at all outside of this racial um sort of conflict and that is mm-hmm. i um feel very very in line with baldwin again and another um quote that i like to read to you And it said people pay for what they do and still more for what they allow themselves to become. And they pay for it very simply by the lives they lead. The crucial thing here is that the sum of these individual abdications, menaces, life all over the world. Or in generality, as a social and moral, political and sexual entities, white Americans are probably the sickest and certainly most dangerous people of any color to be found in the world today. Now what I found interesting about that quote was that it's this idea of doing something to someone and not suffering for it. Like, of course, of course, people who call themselves mm. white are, have a larger legacy. I think I want to say larger legacy than just racism in America. I think that this is our playing ground. This is where we play things out. But my, my interest here is when i was thinking about mental illness, what does it mean to not acknowledge injustice? to keep yourself mm-hmm. safe or to keep your land. Um, I'm often at the Schomburg. when I worked at the Schomburg, I was often asked questions about, and sometimes there were even questions. There were like just comments about why can't black people do what the Jewish people did or why can't black people do this? And it always felt so good to go up the to the
0: Irish, the Irish, they, they integrated. So Everybody is, did all this. You know, one dropped is, off it. the skis and
1: the whatever it became. <laughs> white. <laughs> so, right. This right. is
0: <laughs> what's interesting to
1: me about that is like, there's this really, America's really good at um, fairy tales. um calling itself history and you're, you're a proponent of this. So you understand, I mean, not a proponent, you understand that someone yeah, who, I, um, yeah, I understands history, you know, it's the, it's, the, um, it's the empire that's going to tell a particular kind of story. But with the Schomburg and other archives that have collected people's papers and institutional papers and so forth, you find out that there is a long history of folks doing all kinds of things and then having them sort of crushed, all black towns crushed, banks, you know, institutions, things that people constantly have to be reminded of because it's not a part of the daily diet you get from just being in the US around history or even around, around, this, around media. So I think a lot about the cultural moments that we've survived <laughs> in. And I am quite aware of the, what's, I think, psychically, physically, emotionally, what's been done to people of African descent in this country. But I think a lot more now about what whiteness has done to the moral center of people who consider themselves white and how they deal with that or not deal with that. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. one of the ways I'm understanding, or maybe dipping my toe back in our original talk about mental illness. What do they do? How does that feel on a daily basis? To always feel like there's an other. Now all white people aren't the same, obviously. Sometimes I have to say that when I'm talking to people <laughs> because I want the communication I feel to go like you need better. To start you
0: know with yeah, you, you get, i think so we have to get it up it. every podcast you have to say you have to say not exactly not all, all white people, white people not exactly it. all <laughs> black people not exactly all straight people not all, you know but i also feel
1: like no that says something about you know the level of dialogue sometimes that you know that we're engaged in and trying to um to have a an, uh, what you call an authentic dialogue or an honest one yeah. or an organic one that isn't you know based upon stereotypes or based upon the um the um thinking of the day you know that you really it it takes a lot to be a human in the u.s to walk outside and to get on get in your car get on the train or walk down the street and say good morning how are you doing when you feel all kinds of things about the world you know i get up in the morning i don't want to watch the news or read the news but i do (laughs) and it's not the best way to begin a day someday because it can be really um a demoralizing and frustrating you know and you, uh, and why yeah, wouldn't people I mean, want to be ignorance is bliss? Why wouldn't you want to be? Just go get your Starbucks. <laughs> you know, my mortgage is up. I want to get a mortgage. You know, or I want to just focus on things that seem to be obtainable,
0: You know, seem. To yeah, be. I I think I think uh, I I basically I mean that last point that you made. I think that is. I think for me, that's where sort of the proverbial rubber if you'll forgive the cliche meets you know hits the road meets the mm-hmm. road rubber meets the road right so you know what do we do about it right so how how do we how do we move that dialogue how do we shift that dialogue because of course if you are comfortable as you just said mm-hmm. like well, then... kind of probably yeah you just probably want to stay comfortable like you know you have a comfortable life you have a comfortable day, you know and then and then you so let's take the very privileged out of it. Then you got kind of like uh, yeah yeah thank you yeah, yeah yeah. So and then you you've got the sort of, you know, struggling to get ahead, know that they're not really at the center of the culture, quote unquote white people. And when you when we start talking about white people, like for someone like me or someone that has um, you know, a particular kind of cultural appetite or um, you know, intellectual interests you can hear something like white people, and you don't have to wear it very heavily, right? Because I can, my mind wanders afield. Like I don't, I don't need to wear my whiteness in that way. Okay, right? that's not how. That's not a cornerstone of my identity. That's also a privilege. Now.
1: That's also a privilege that uh, now, you have. You know, that, is under- the pri- so, but that is the
0: intellectual's privilege. But that is the intellectual's privilege. So I would not say so. Mm-hmm. I, that one I would push back hard on. I don't think that is a white privilege. I think that is the intellectual's privilege. I think that, I think that there are people that have always, in, in every group, regardless of oppression, have managed to slip free of the social constructs that mm-hmm. seek to bind them. And now it may be true, it may be true that uh, a certain kind of economic liberty makes mm-hmm. that easier, but I'm not even convinced of that. I mean, read the great, I mean, I know you have, but like the great Gatsby kind of puts that bed to lie. I mean, it puts that lie to bed, right? I mean, th- I mean, mm-hmm. the if you've seen people that are more bound up by uh, what is expected of them, than the Buchanans and the great Gatsby, I don't, you know, I don't know them in literature, I mean, these are I mean, I maybe maybe Tolstoy or something, but uh, Anna Karenita. but uh, you know so th- th- in in that way, th- it is a privilege, but it is the intellectual's privilege that I would say is shared by everyone in my tribe, regardless of what social construct they are hemmed in by when they step out onto the street right because mm-hmm. that's different. So the world that you live in in your mind is different than the world that you have to inhabit when you walk out your door, right? And, and the that, worlds absolutely... that other people
1: imagine you in. So there are all these different A- kinds of worlds
0: in dialogue yeah. or in
1: opposition to each other. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um so but we, you know anyway, go, no no, please you finish actually. Why don't you why don't you take us home? <laughs>
1: okay. Um I I like this intellectual privilege because I try to exercise it myself. Um, Although I'm not as accomplished as a PhD like yourself, I um, oh yeah, I'm really curious. Whatever,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm really (laughs) curious. I'm also
1: (laughs) excited about what love could do, and so I don't think my three brains. I think my three brains are connected, but I also know that the reptilian part of it wants to stay safe, right? And so I'm just considering, Mm, yeah, being comfortable with being uncomfortable and not having an answer to what. I know I have a sense of what ails us and I'm still learning about like just like personally, but familiarly, but community wise and the U S and so forth, but learning to be comfortable with being uncomfortable about to, to, to open up how beautiful the world could be. I keep on thinking, and I've said Mm. this a couple of times tonight, wasted potential. There's just so many things that the U S could do. And it feels like we're being, you know, our Congress folk. I mean, the folks in the government are just greedy. <laughs> and after it's a while, nonsense. like, go, yeah. I stop going. How could they do that? I'm like, yeah, they do that, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And become a little um, less. I wouldn't say optimistic, but just like the U.S. is already uncomfortable, no matter where you, mm. what what station you're at you know it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. i would even say that and we've talked about this before and we still have a have a longer conversation about it about the good life and what constitutes a good life i think mm-hmm. a con- mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. constitutes a good life for me is one of that involves questioning being curious being open and that understanding what un, having a better understanding of what mental illness is or what i believe it is and madness and so forth helps me navigate this culture better you know, I don't, I live, I consider myself a world citizen, not just in the U.S. or just a part of New York. I'm interested in other cultures. I'm learning other languages. I want to see how it sounds in someone else's language. And I want to be, that's funny. I, I wanted something a lot more grander to end with, but, but, but I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. That's all right. Very, very curious <laughs> and excited about learning about what constitutes a, a really good life it, that's not yeah. sponsored by the government or sponsored by kodak or any other not, mm, not to say kodak. right brought to you by yeah yeah, yeah. i, I, yeah, I want to bring it to you and so i'm also looking for a coalition of people who feel that way and typically they're artists because they have a little more brain
0: space a little more heart space for the impossible yeah well we're doing something good that i i would defend that i think i would say you know potential like we're we're trying to kick people in the, in the pants. So that's, uh, that's what I hope at least. Absolutely. Um, Steven, yes. Thanks uh, very much for the conversation today.
1: Thank you very much, Travis.
0: I appreciate talking. Yeah. I'll talk to you soon.